names are Teresa and Gumby. Welcome to Escaping Society. We wrote our own songs so we wouldn't have to pay for anyone else's copyright infringement. Welcome to Escaping Society, where we hope to share tips, explore topics, connect, provoke, offend, and question. All in the effort to rouse and he bitch mammy backhand bony knuckle smack us all awake. Oh God! Because <laughs> we're late for school and being fucking stupid ain't nearly as cool as we keep pretending it is. Wow. I'm Gumby. I'm Teresa. And we are here in the lands of persistent rain, <laughs> the noonday sun, and the world's oldest mountains. That's North Carolina for you colonizers. All hail the Galactic Empire! <laughs> this is episode 62, Fire Trucks Given. And I dedicate this episode to Rage Against the Machine. Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. Well, So, I'm going to jump right in there. Um, fuck getting old. Or as Mick Jagger uh, more tastefully put it, what a drag it is getting old. <laughs> Something new surely begins to happen around 40. Everything aches. I ache if I exercise. I ache if I don't exercise. I ache when weather happens. Any weather. <laughs> and it moves around in my body like some alien larva waiting to hatch out. And why exercise anyway? Fat happens. My belly bloats after eating. My belly bloats like a third world child when I don't eat. <laughs> my belly bloats with gas, which brings me to another puzzle of aging. Allow me to talk about my asshole, uno momento, por favor. Oh, boy. I've spent my whole life consciously keeping things out of it. My mom snuck a thermometer up there once, which probably sealed my trajectory as a heterosexual. <laughs> no fun. All those years, minimizing the impact of my gas upon the world, my asshole is tight, as obedient, and steadfast as a 17-year-old gymnast. And now, farts are sneaking past me so frequently that I don't even bother checking their baggage at the door, which has proven to be a big mistake, because sometimes they have baggage. <laughs> Remember that scene in Bad Grandpa where he sharts on the wall? Yeah. Yeah. Sure is funny when it happens to somebody else. Mm. And you develop all these tricks that don't actually work to try to mask the sound, like clearing your throat <clears throat> or looking with alarm at the creaky <laughs> leg of your chair like it might drop you at any minute. Mm. And God help you if you're a laugher like me. All control is lost. <laughs> and what the fuck is up with my aging urethra? My dad once taught me the rhyme, no matter how much you shake and dance, the last few drops end up in your pants. <laughs> oh, God. I now understand that to be the mantra of the aged. I got hair bristling out of my ears, my nostrils like unmown grass. My skin's got blemishes and spots and wrinkles. Most of the time, my body feels like a 40-year-old truck sputtering and backfiring with the wrong kind of gasoline in it. And my mind is in a fog, like losing your keys, only to find them 10 minutes later in your hand. I feel like I walked into my whole goddamn life to get something, but now I've forgotten what the hell I came in here for. <laughs> and, of course, all of this makes you into a cranky old curmudgeon, which is why I suppose I'm now recording the third fire truck episode. I have no doubt I'm going to wind up being one of those bile-filled, venomous old homeless booze hounds flinging profanities at strangers, and on holidays, maybe handfuls of my own excrement, oh like a caged monkey at the zoo, and for the same goddamn reasons he does. This podcast is me practicing. <laughs> I think getting old is punishment for not sacrificing yourself to a worthy cause during your first 40 years. Ooh. For any of our younger listeners, I can't encourage you enough to take risks. If you're not careful, if you're clingy and cowardly, you may find yourself some tired old testicle hanging way down past the knees of the world with nothing to do but masturbate with one hand and cradle a projectile of your own shit in the other. Oh, my God. And that is my warning. Getting old fucking sucks. Don't do it. Mm. Theresa, how's getting old for you? Uh, it's interesting. <laughs> and I can definitely attest to his... Uh... <clears throat> a flatulence, yeah, that too. Oh. Well, I say fuck you to busybody people who do tend to be older, and I think the curmudgeony type. Yeah, I think they're getting bored. Yeah, they're they're. I don't think that they're aware of life outside of their carefully constructed 
upper middle class reality. They think it's their duty to keep the law. Not duty. Yeah, and to keep people from breaking the laws because the system protects them, or at least that's what they think. Now, when you say busybody people, I'm wondering who you got in mind because the person I think of first is one of these overlooks we were at (laughs) on the Blue Ridge Parkway. And we're just sleeping in our van, you know, we got our, uh, the, the parking lot's empty, and we got our tarp laid out there to dry in a empty parking spot, um, and somebody apparently called the rangers on us. Is that, is that, like, who you're thinking of with busybody people? One of them, Like, yeah. who the, f- what, why? Why bother with that? Yeah. What are we hurting? What makes that person feel like they have to cause trouble for a stranger? That's a busybody person, right? Yes, and, it, you know, it really, if they would approach us... I'd like to have a discussion about what they're doing in their lives to screw everything up in the world. But they just go ahead and step right up to the authority level, and I don't ever get a chance. Yeah, like, I also say fuck you to busybody people, because that's bad enough. Getting in everybody's business as if you got your own shit just so sorted out that you can afford to, like, try to fix other people's problems. But then the cowardliness of fucking, like you said, not even confronting us. Yeah. Yeah, that that is annoying to say the least. And fuck class hierarchy. I'm not sure if you have one that goes along with this. Oh, but all of mine kind of go along with that, depending on how you look at it. Specifically, since I know you're going to ask uh, what I have in mind, specifically people who have RVs and travel trailers, which my parents recently purchased a travel trailer. Um, so you're saying fuck your parents. Yeah, basically. Whoa. So, you know, I understand that this might be the one and only way that certain people get to appreciate nature is to bring their whole entire house with them. And I would be fine with that. Um, You know, they've waited their whole lives to do this. This is what they can do when they have the money to do it. But then what I take a, uh, what am I trying to say? What are you trying to say? Uh, A fuck you, I guess, (laughs) is that, Up here on the Blue Ridge Parkway especially, there will be people who have a lot of money. They have these RVs and travel trailers. And they are told by authorities, park rangers, that they want people to pull over to take a rest. In fact, that's what the overlooks are for. Wasn't that a bitch? We had that that guy and his wife in an RV. And uh, he starts talking to us and we're in our little van. And he's like, yeah, it's okay. Like, the, you know, we're trying to tell him, like, oh, here's a good place to park, and you won't get messed with if you do this. And he's like, oh, it's okay. A ranger told us that we can... Uh, we can park wherever we'd like. We can overlooks. park here wherever we'd like. Yeah. And uh, I neglected to tell him, oh, that's because you're rich. Yeah. That's that's the rich guy response. Yeah, because if you're, if you're living in a minivan, you're obviously up to no good, and you probably made poor life choices to get there. Yeah, and because he's got money, he was totally clueless of the double standard. He just thought it was for everybody. <laughs> Um, I would say fuck censorship. Um, we just listened to a Deep Green Resistance episode that, uh, was a discussion about Jeff Gibbs's documentary, Planet of the Humans. And it was a discussion with, uh, I don't remember how many women, it was an, an all women. Um, and I thought it started out kind of, eh, but some of the discussions, like, as they went on, got really interesting. I, I ended up enjoying it and I recommend it. But fuck censorship, particularly of that documentary, Planet of the Humans. I am, maybe I shouldn't be, but I'm surprised at the heat with which the leftists, the environmentalists, the green energy group are attacking this movie. And if you haven't watched this movie yet, please watch it. It is such a good platform for uh, discussion and thinking, even if you you disagree with it. Um But yeah, I can see why it's such a threat to them, because one of the big attractions right now for the left side is if, you know, you want the economy to improve, most people think Republican. You know, that's how you improve the the economy. They roll back regulations, people can make money, trickle down, all that crap. If you want to protect the environment, um, Democrat, left. These are the people that care about, like, regulating the environment, which never works. Um, You know, all these things that are supposed to save the earth in the longer term. So this movie just blew that shit out of the water because their big platform is we get to keep on doing what we're doing. Um, And this green energy, the solar panels, the windmills, etc. It just, this movie just pulled the rug out from all those illusions. 
So I can see why they are so threatened, because if they don't have that, they don't really have much of a platform. Um, and right on Michael Moore. Michael Moore, I've always liked his documentaries. I like his showmanship, but he leans a lot further left than uh, I do. But man, with his last two documentaries, first uh, Fahrenheit 11.9 I really enjoyed, and now um, Planet of the Humans, I am really rooting this guy on. I don't know where, which direction he's planning on going with all this, but he's a guy standing up with a lot of integrity because he has taken some shit. I mean, he just took a stance that was in direct violation of a huge swath of his fan base. Mm -hmm. And I applaud him for that. Like, speaking truth to power, you know? (laughs) I guess that's what he's doing. Um, Fuck people ignoring the solutions implied by the questions we're asking and the truths we're learning, like the hoax of green energy or the idea that there's some way to have electricity and all this technology whose benefits for our existence are debatable in themselves. You know, even if it wasn't causing all this pollution, even if, uh, you know, it was getting manufactured in some unimaginably clean way, it's still debatable whether all these hours in front of screens is good for us, what it does to our minds, what it does to our, our personalities, our socialization. Even if this stuff was working optimally with no dark side, fuck that. Um, it's still a dangerous thing. And then you add in what brings it to us, that it's actually murdering the entire fucking planet to bring us this crap that isn't even good for us. Fuck that. (laughs) And, you know, people keep saying, like, uh, including Jeff Gibbs, and I got a lot of respect for Jeff Gibbs, but, you know, they kind of, and I think Daniel Quinn did this too, he kind of hedged right before being anti-civilization, you know, Hmm. before leading, rolling with these thoughts to their logical conclusion, in my opinion. That's the way I interpret when I hear this. Um, And to me, it's so obvious. It all leads to denouncing civilization, and we all know it. There's no other way of looking at this. When we look at what brings us electricity, when we look at that we've never needed it until so recently, when we look at all the technology and what that's doing to us, and also that we've never needed it until recently, and I say need with little quotey fingers, because do we need it now? Why do we suddenly need it? Um, you know, to me, it's, it's, it's kind of a simple equation that people don't like where it leads, so they act like, oh, I don't know what the answer is. I think we do. Civilization needs to stop. Yeah, I was going to say something really similar, which is fuck you to not knowing how or what to do next. And pretty much saying the same thing. You know, like, it is hard to see when you're saturated in this society, when you're sucking at its teat. But what have you done to simplify? For example, your bills. Like, get rid of those things. Don't have bills if you can. Really try to get those out of your life. That way, if you are interested in having money, you can save more of it to see your way out um, and see what you really need. And I think that's all I had. Well, I see the way people kind of skirt that issue is the way that they will point their finger at somebody who uses more, wastes more, has more. And because they're not that person, they feel like they are indeed downsizing. And Teresa and I play this game ourselves. You know, we live in a van. Like, oh, you haven't moved into your minivan yet? Um, But the more powerful place to be is to look at where you are and can you downsize more. Because obviously, as as a whole, as a species... We're not doing nearly enough, and you've only got so much control over other people. You know, if you're ready to go and start, like, fucking up people's shit, I don't know if that's effective or not. But if all you're doing is complaining and telling people what to do, and you're, like, not making huge changes in your life, give me a fucking break. Fuck you. Mm, Writing books and having podcasts and not Mm -hmm. doing anything. Now, on the other hand, um, fuck this woke Olympics that's aggressively forcing new views on older views, often held by older people. No means no, you mind fuckers. (laughs) For one thing, what's being called woke is as narrow and short-sighted and in-fucking-sane as the existing views these damn fools imagine they're pitting themselves against. And for another, it's ineffective and counterproductive to push people into such obstinate and defensive postures. If we need to stop civilization from destroying the planet, then yes, fight now. But if you're trying to change vision, a value system, the way people think, 
This takes time, patience, delicacy, kindness, dialogue. To force ideological acquiescence is, I believe, a form of rape, no matter which side does it to the other. Mm. Sadly, to a large extent, might does make right. But no right view worth the name is imposed through the might of others. And this includes, you know, this cancel culture that we've talked about. Um, threatening people, whether it's through force, like throwing them in dungeons, torturing them, or threatening their livelihood. They might get fired. They might get chastised. They might get humiliated in public. These are also forms of violence. Actions must sometimes be stopped immediately. For instance, when people are destroying the world and we're, some people say, already out of time or beyond out of time or have precious little time left. Either way you look at it, there are certain actions that if we can, we need to stop these actions that people are committing now. But minds must be changed gently. That takes time. You can't force that on people. This woke Olympics, this whole like, oh, people need to all agree on the same set of values um, just you know, through such aggression, it doesn't fucking work. It's ugly. And fuck slobs. <laughs> I grew up in squalor, and I know that the clutter and disarray in a person's life is a window into their mind, and by not forcing themselves to downsize, clean, and organize their environment, they're not creating a space conducive to addressing the squalor in their minds. It can be done. I, uh, I grew up in a pretty violent household. My dad was a drunk. He was abusive towards my mom. My mom um, just, you know, was barely holding her shit together. And as a result of all this chaos, the house was a pigsty. Um, one of the threats my dad would level against my mom sometimes is he would call social services and have me taken away. And imagine what that does to a kid, a kid's psyche. I would be uh, humiliated to have my friends over. Uh, maybe that's one of the reasons I became such an outdoors guy. I didn't want to go to my room or in my house with my no. friends. We were going to go hang out outside. And it was such an obvious reflection of what was happening in our lives. It wasn't just a dirty house and a happy people. It was chaos, disarray in, in the minds of the people in this house, myself included. Um, I still struggle with this myself, which is one, of, one reason it probably irritates me so much. So often we condemn in others what we despise in ourselves. Uh, most of us know this. We see this damn apathy, this irresponsibility, um, this disgusting filth spilling out onto the poop trails and onto the free campsites along the Blue Ridge Parkway, mm. ruining it for everybody. We just went to a Pisgah National Forest, and one of the things we're doing this summer is we're going through the mountains and trying to really um, map all the free campsites. Because we figure if we keep moving around from free campsite to free campsite, we can stay pretty cool out in the woods for the summer. It's the perfect way for a, a van lifer to escape the heat. The campsites in Pisgah National Forest are all closed right now. And we thought it was because of the pandemic. So we're rolling our eyes and like, oh, Jesus. But it turns out it's because of these motherfuckers, the kind of slobs I'm talking about, trashing the sites. And we saw it ourselves. Um... You know, there's mattresses left out there. There's tents. Supposedly, like, we talked to one of these uh, these people, and they were, like, going around from campsite to campsite, sending their kid going around from campsite to campsite, supposedly to get gas to get home. They didn't have gas money. They took off, and they had gotten the best free campsite, number one, the one right beside the river, the beautiful one that always gets recommended to everybody. They just set up a tent there and were never there, so nobody could use it. We were there a whole week, and that tent was there almost completely unoccupied the whole time we were there. Now, how poor people can afford to get this shit and then leave it there? It's just slovenly. It's, it's, it's this mindset I'm talking about. And I know there's a, a, a hundred reasons to uh, explain and understand this. So I'm not condemning these people like, you know, let's go get them, let's burn them at the stake, witch hunt. But even in the storm... Because all of us, we're, we're always going to be in some sort of storm. we got to pull our shit together. Just, you know, God, take control of your life a little bit. If it's so complicated, so overwhelming, you're letting it in. It's knocking on your door, all these products, all these this bullshit, and you open the door and let it in. You can also shove it right the fuck back out that door. Every overlook we go to, there's poop trails. 
you know, which are nice because you got a little trail and you got privacy. But the people just leave their fucking toilet paper and tampons and all kinds of shit just laying there. Hmm. It doesn't matter whether it's biodegradable or not. They can't even bother to throw leaves over it. What the fuck is wrong with people? Yeah, by the way, fuck those wet wipes for adults' butts. I'm not sure how our shit's got to be so messy that we needed baby wipes for adults. I blame Mexican food. (laughs) And getting old. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I've had these types of problems, but at the same time, like... I think I had some, like, wet wipes that we got uh, out of the dumpster, like a hippie Christmas, like, unused. You know, like a pack that someone had thrown away. <laughs> I like the way you have to specify they were unused. Well, we were listening to that uh, one podcast we did, and I was talking about getting things out of the dumpster. And you're like, oh, we just, like, rinse them off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, wow, used wet wipes. That would be bag lady level three. Yeah, that's expert level nasty. <laughs> but, yeah, just the fact that people... You know, they don't take care of their bodies. They're not in tune enough with their bodies to be like, oh, man, I need to go take a shit and, like, have enough time to walk away from the trail and be able to bury their crap and bury their, you know, wet wipes and everything. But then, you know, not having the ability to even do that, just to, like, throw some leaves on top of your shit. And I guess, you know, just nasty, messy people, stubborn people... We've Mm -hmm. talked a lot lately about being stubborn and just refusing to learn anything. Yeah, we've been wondering about, like, why this is, why people are so fucking nasty and ignorant. You know, this is the information age, which has a big downside to it because we're overwhelmed by this information. But the good side is anything you want to learn, you can kind of find teachers, like, for free, right online, a YouTube video or an article or something. People who have no idea how to shit in the woods, how to even, like, bury their toilet paper, I don't get And I think it is obstinacy. Um, I think a lot of times poor people, especially, although, I don't know, Blue Ridge Parkway, I don't know that that's poor people. Um, I think a lot of it, I don't know what it is. Just obstinacy, maybe that doesn't have to do with class at all. Just us as a people, as a culture, we feel like if there's anything worth knowing, we already fucking know it. And (laughs) if there's anything worth learning, it's got to come from somebody with degrees on the wall and shit. Mm -hmm. And apparently people with degrees on the wall aren't teaching people how to be, uh, how to use the potty like big boys and girls (laughs) out in the woods. So whatever it is, it's just, I don't get it. I don't get how they can't learn something so simple that would make such a big difference. Because I can't imagine they want to go out in the woods and see other people's piles of shit. Um, On a similar note, Fuck people who complain about the chore of doing the laundry. (laughs) I wash my clothes in rivers now, which the way I do it is pretty easy. And, you know, you could argue it doesn't get them that clean, but clean enough. What I found is if I string my clothes, usually one at a time, like I change one piece of clothing every day. So on average, you know, I wear underwear, pants, shirt. I wear things three days in a row before it's it's turn to be washed again. And then I have that one thing to deal with. I wash it in a river in the fastest current I can find wherever we're at. Um, and then the big thing, like if all I do is wash it and then it doesn't dry well, it stinks. It smells like mildew. It doesn't really get clean. But even if I wash it just a little bit, barely get it wet, and then put it in the sun, it smells like fresh air. The sun, the air is what really washes it, which is interesting. But before that, when we were still had our place, I used a washboard. I had a big tub. I did it old-fashioned style. I got the washboard. I got my buckets of water. And let me tell you, washing clothes was a bitch. (laughs) I mean, I learned to enjoy it. I put a record player on, and I was outside. And, you know, I I, I can be pretty good at times of finding the uh, the silver lining of things. So I didn't curse it. You know, I was choosing it. Um, But it was hard work. And then I go over somebody's house like... Even my mom, you know, it's a rainy day. It's pouring rain. My clothes are piling up. I'm like, all right, I got to get these washed. The washboard isn't going to work right now. I don't even have a roof to be under for this thing. I go over to her house and she's like, her laundry's piled up. Or, you know, I don't want to pick on my mom just on this. I've seen so many people do it like, oh man, it's laundry day. They take the clothes, they put them in a machine. (laughs) They push four or five buttons. If that. The machine fucking washes the clothes while they could be, you know, doing anything. Other chores they got to do. Taking a nap. Reading. Learning how to fucking shit in the woods. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Anything. And then, you know, they don't even have to pay attention to the clothes because you know what happens when it gets done? 
It tells them it's done. And, oh, man, then they have that big, hard chore of, uh, you know, putting it out on the line. Nope. Then they move it into the fucking dryer. (laughs) Push two buttons. And then that goes, and the machine dries the clothes with a nice little dryer sheet spinning around so it can smell, mmm, good. Just like the sunshine. And then, you know, do they have to pay attention to that? Nope. Beep. It tells them it's done. Where is the fucking chore? Doing your laundry is not a chore. Fuck anybody who uses machines and acts like doing their laundry was a chore. Like, ooh, I washed clothes today. Big fucking deal. There, I said it. Yeah. Yeah. There is that really difficult chore of taking them out of the dryer and, like, putting them somewhere. And I've known people that literally leave their clothes in the dryer. They don't even check to see if they've actually finished drying. They just leave them in there. And then when they need clothes, they just kind of reach in and take them out. And I was responsible. Like when I had my really bad depression, I did this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm not taking that, you know, lightly when I say it can sort of work, but it, it really gets to be complicated and messy and, and not that clean. So yeah, I get what you're saying about the chore of having to take all of your many, many articles of clothing out of the dryer and putting them away. I might be a little prickly about this because I remember when I first uh, like started living on my own, my mom would come and visit me regularly and she would take my clothes and wash them for me. And then she would come back and uh, this woman moved into my house, um, my teaching partner at the time, and she would make fun of me like, ah, your mom washes your clothes. And it would just drive me crazy because it's like she acted like it was such a big deal that she knew how to push buttons. And I was making my mom push buttons. Like, what is the big deal? So maybe I got a little history with that. Maybe. Well, I would I would dovetail that and just say, like, fuck, no accountability. We're talking about messy campsites, messy homes, messy, you know, laundry everywhere. The infantilizing of of us, of humans in this culture. It's not even about having your own house. It's it's beyond like living with your parents. It's being aware. It's being responsible. And if you want to say woke or awake, whatever, whatever, <laughs> whatever. But it's it's become. Like, 40-year-olds are are considered, you know, oh, you're young. Oh, you'll learn. It's like, Jesus Christ, what have you been doing for 40 years? You know, people used to get married, and it sounds strange, but people used to get married when they're like 12, 13, 14, because they kind of knew what life was about. You're like, eat. You shit in the woods. (laughs) You clean yourself. You clean up your area. How hard is this? How hard is this to grasp? Why do we need decades to figure this out? And yet, Mm-hmm. There's no accountability, so why bother learning about it? Yeah, and we're all trapped in some stage of this. I mean, I know, like, Teresa and I, with any skills that we've picked up, you know, next to an indigenous person, we're the infants. So I would add to that, fuck the culture that's done that to us. Fuck the culture that did that to our ancestors and passed these things down until we get more and more fucking helpless. Fuck the history of the space race. Mm. I've talked already about like how much I fucking hate the the space program and particularly going to Mars. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I just read a book that we got out of a little free library. Can't remember who wrote it, but it was called uh, Laika's Window. Now, it was talking about the space race in particular, but ex- experimental animals more generally. Laika was the first life form. She was a Soviet dog that the Soviets put in Sputnik 2. First, there's Sputnik 1, you know, the first spaceship in orbit, unmanned. And then Sputnik 2, because we want to see what it's like to get people up there, living beings. So they stick a dog in there. Now, why a dog? Well, the Soviets in particular have a history of a close relationship with dogs, including experimentation on them. Think of Pavlov's dogs. Mm. Um, There was even this video that came out in 1940 that I was reading about in this book of this guy that did these fucking horrific experiments on dogs. One of the things that stood out in my head was he decapitated a dog and hooked it up to this machine he had that, like, 
artificially pumped blood into the dog's decapitated fucking head. And apparently, I haven't tried to look this up yet, but it might be findable online. I don't know. But it was a video from Russia in the 1940s. And the decapitated dog's head, he demonstrated how he could move his hands and the eyes would blink, how they could rub lemon juice on the lips of this dog and it would lick its lips. Decapitated. A decapitated dog's head, how it would respond to sounds, to sights. Um, What kind of fucking people does shit like this? You know, this is science. And so anyway, this is the lineage that led to Laika. Now, most of us have heard about the space race, the Soviets getting up there first, yada, yada, yada. Some of us have heard about the dog up there and even know her name, Laika. I bet a lot fewer of, you, fewer of you know that they did surgery on her to take her carotid artery and pull it to the surface of her skin under a flap that they created so they, she could be hooked up to sensors. Um, they could monitor her up there. And I bet a lot fewer of you know that she was put in this capsule for three days. She couldn't move. There was no room in there. Three days she sat in this capsule before launch. Um, And she was severely dehydrated when they finally launched her up there. Mm. They had no plans to bring her back. Um, They didn't have that technology at the time. And they were trying to um, beat the anniversary of the Bolshevik Revolution to kind of make it a big celebration and, of course, beat the Americans into space. So they put her up there, and the orbit that they had planned, when things go in orbit around the Earth, it's like a big elliptical. Um, I forget the names of these things, but, like, there's a point where it's closest to the Earth, a point where it's furthest away from the Earth. It's like a big egg. It doesn't go in a smooth circle around the Earth. So they thought she would be in the shade quite a bit and last a while up there. Well, it turned out she wasn't. She was in the sun a lot more than they planned. Oh, my God. And when you don't have an atmosphere over you, that fucking sun is hot. So basically... dogs don't sweat. They don't sweat. So basically, you know, there was grainy video that they watched, and it seemed like she was getting agitated, started panting, started barking, all the signs a dog shows of intense stress. She was cooked alive up there. Um... And it it was saying in the book how veterinarians will tell you this is one of the most painful ways for a dog to die, to be overheated. It's a slow, painful death. So she died up there, and then, you know, a while later, the satellite comes crashing, Earth burns up, she's already dead. The Americans were quick to condemn the Soviets um, for this cruelty. But let's look at what the fucking Americans did. (laughs) All records show that the Soviets actually really cared about these dogs. The scientists, as they always seem to do, did horrific things because they thought it was justified. But right up until that point, they would train their dogs, their space dogs, with rewards. And they were picking up mongrels. They didn't want purebreds. They were picking up, um, one day they picked up up to 60 dogs to experiment with in the space program because the mongrels, the mutts, were known to be tougher. They figured if they could survive the Soviet winters on the streets like they did, they stood a pretty good damn chance of being up in space, and they tended to be smarter than the purebreds. Um, Which I think is a pretty powerful lesson in general. (laughs) So the Americans are condemning the Soviets for this shit, and the Americans start experimenting on chimps. They figure chimps, even though they're much more expensive to come by um, than dogs, are closer to humans. So whatever a chimp can stand, whatever it can do... Um, that's a pretty good sign of what a human can stand. Now, while they're doing this with chimps, it turns out that they're getting flooded with letters um, of people saying, put me there instead. I will be your experimenting, experimental animal. I can't see the, the justice in doing this to uh, uh, an innocent animal. That chimp never did anything to anybody. I'll go. I'll sign whatever forms. I don't, you know, care. I don't care if I die doing it. I'm willing to do that. Even prisoners on death row were sending them letters saying, what the fuck? You're just wasting taxpayer money. My life is over. I'm sitting here in a cage getting free food. Send me. Prisoners were wanting to take the place of these monkeys. Because they they said that the monkeys didn't do anything wrong. Let them live their lives. Yeah, I did something wrong. I'm taking responsibility. I fucked up and that's why I'm here in this cage. That monkey didn't do anything wrong. I'm talking multiple prisoners. The Air Force turned them down sent their first chimp into space. His name was Ham. He went, you know, through orbit and everything. It's, you know, the G-force going up there, like, increases your body sometimes up to 10 times. Um, Just, it's a horrific experience. And when they brought him back down, which they did, 
and successfully brought him out, there was this photograph that circulated in all the papers of this general or somebody shaking hands with the smiling chimp. Well, Jane Goodall, later the chimp expert, um, was to look at this photograph and said she had never seen more fear on a primate's face in her life. That is the what we interpret as a smile was terror. This chimp was scared shitless. The next chimp they sent up there, his name was Enos. And uh, they called him Enos the Penis. But he was known to play with himself, which is why he got the nickname. But the way they would train him, they wanted to see for this next experiment if a astronaut could keep his wherewithal, his men mental capacity, and operate levers, operate machinery. So they gave him these three levers, you know, with different lights, like... You're never supposed to pull this one. You pull this one when the light comes on, and every now and then you pull this one. And they attach shock pads to his feet. So anytime he made a wrong error, it would zap him. It would electrocute him. So they sent him up with these levers. He gets in space, and guess what? The fucking shock pads malfunction. Oh, my God. So they start zapping him over and over and over. And poor Enos, he's doing the only thing he's ever known to do that stops the electric shocks working the levers. He's working them faster and faster. He's not doing anything wrong. He's doing them perfect. But the shocks keep coming. He's floating around this cold space after this horrifying trip up there, getting shocked, 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 shocked. They also didn't want him playing with himself up there. It wouldn't jeopardize the mission. They just found it distasteful. They didn't want their space monkey playing with himself. So they stuck a catheter inside of him. And this catheter had water, a water balloon, basically, in his bladder, thinking it would be impossible for him to pull it out. Well, as he's getting shocked and stressed out, he reaches down and, you know, judge it all you want, laugh at it all you want. But this monkey, when he gets stressed, plays with himself. So he pulls this catheter out, which must have been excruciatingly painful. God. But the good news is they brought him home alive, so we learned about space. You know, and they're, they're talking about when they're teaching us all this fucking bullshit about Tang and dehydrated ice cream and the, the words of the first man on the moon. I never heard any of this shit about the animals because that's not the narrative we want to hear or they want us to know. They want us to get on board with this bullshit because it's going to lead to Star Trek. And then we can unite all the, uh, the different alien species in the galaxy under our federation and the empire can grow. Fuck the space race. And a special fuck you to that author. Because as Gumby's reading this book, he'll, you know, he was like kind of sharing different passages with me. And I, all I could do was take them out of context because I didn't, you know, I wasn't reading the whole book with him. And I thought at first that the author was making a point of like, let's stop all this abuse on animals. And then come to find out that his wrap-up at the end of his book talks about, like, how, you know, it was necessary to use all of these beings in experiments so that we could get to the threshold of maybe one day colonizing Mars. Fuck that guy. Yeah, and he explored a little bit more than I'd heard before about the rationale of going to space. Apparently a lot of the scientists that are pushing for exploring space, particularly colonizing Mars, their rationale is that Earth is fucked. No matter how you crunch the numbers, no matter how you look at it, Earth is already dead. It's a corpse with whose heart is still barely beating. And our only chance is to leave the Earth. Now, what pisses me off about this is this underlying narrative seems to almost suggest that it's the Earth's fault. The Earth somehow failed us. And if we're to survive this failing machine, this planet, then we need to transcend it. Never once do these fucking genius scientists question our way of life. That we, if they're trying so hard to get to do something impossible, to get to Mars, ooh, why can't we fucking give up the way we're living that's murdering the planet right now? Because that would require us giving up science, and science would never allow science to die. And that lifestyle has been tried and tested for... I don't know how many times longer than our own culture. It works. It served people. It worked over and over and over. It worked. Mars? That's a fucking crazy idea. That's never worked yet. And God, I hope it doesn't work. Because if we don't change the thing that killed the planet, what the fuck are we doing up there? <laughs> I mean, and fuck all the people who listen to those goddamn scientists. Uh, 
wake the fuck up. This is my woke Olympics. Wake <laughs> the fuck up. It's us that's murdering the planet. And I, for one, am not giving up on this planet. I've seen on small scales how the planet can fucking heal. I don't doubt for a minute that if we stop, the planet's going to rebound. Will it be what it was before? Of course not. It's never been what it was before. Every ice age, every glacier, every volcano, every meteor impact, it always changes. It's what it does. It doesn't mean it's dying. It means it's changing. And if we quit fucking murdering the earth, I have absolute faith the earth can heal. Fuck the scientists. I think they're feeding us all this bad news once again to lead us down a certain road with vested interest. And I would like to, again, dovetail that by saying, fuck you to people that say save the earth or save the planet. It's not that I hate the earth and I hate this planet. I love it. I just feel like maybe we're, um, maybe we're, we're not saying what we mean. Maybe we're really meaning like save the species of earth or save humans in particular, or maybe some people are thinking save our way of life, which is, um, detrimental to so many other species. But I personally think that the earth, this rock is going to be fine because Gumby, you even said the, uh, the ability for the earth, (laughs) the ability for the earth to heal, um, is miraculous. I don't know if humans are going to be able to last. And I understand that might be why, you know, crazy motherfuckers are thinking that we should go to Mars. But I think that by saying save the planet or save the earth, it's so, what's that word? Antho- anthropocentric. Anthropocentric, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I want to say, like, we're up here on the Blue Ridge Parkway and, like, people love taking their motorcycles up in the mountains. Rolling thunder. So, fuck bikers. (laughs) I'm reminded of that South Park episode and those fat old bikers in that episode, so desperate for attention, so convinced that everyone must be impressed by how cool they are. Remember that? They, like, got their bikes taken away or something, and so they're still walking around going... (laughs) I see hordes of man-children who have either spent their lives fucking poor people or licking the balls of the rich Mm. to save up enough money to fulfill their juvenile white trash dream of owning an expensive, dangerous, obnoxious toy. Once, perhaps, it was a symbol of freedom and rebellion. Now, it's a symbol of entitlement, status pretension, immaturity, and complete disregard for anyone else's peace or solitude or preference. Half of these fuckwits, and that's my new uh, Australian word. We got it from uh, my favorite podcast. What's it called? Snap Judgment? Yeah. Yeah, great stories. But half of these fuckwits, playing badass with their little Girl Scout patches sewed onto expensive leather clothing supplied by yuppie tools to take their stupid fucking play money are pastors and businessmen. <laughs> what was that conversation you overheard the other day where they were... Oh, they, it was a, a biker gang and they were talking about like, oh, where'd you get that patch? Oh, I got it off of Amazon. Oh, you know, like, oh, you can talk to this guy. He got this patch somewhere. And then there was another like little couple of bikers that were talking about like getting different LED lights with different colors and different handles for their bikes to cover their hands as they're driving. Yeah, big burly posers with their beards and their fucking like badass clothing, you know, like like the wild bunch and talking like teenage girls at the mall. <laughs> oh, where'd you get your handles? Oh, that's so cool. It's dress up, it's rich fetish, it's fantasy porn for retired wannabes. Mm. A motorcycle is to the white man what a car stereo is to the black man. It's attractive to rude, selfish asshats with delusions of toughness. My goodness. And I'm not saying every black man with a car stereo or every white man with a motorcycle fits this. I've met, you know, people that had loud stereos and motorcycles that were decent people. I'm talking about these fucking people that are, like, being obnoxious with it. Um... And now they blare music, these guys on the motorcycle, that has to be even louder than their lazy man's bicycles, so they and that flat, fat chunk of flabby woman hanging off the back can hear it. Whoa. And some even have three-wheel motorcycles now. Are they unaware that's a tricycle? <laughs> Fuck Honda and Harley-Davidson. Tonka and Mattel ought to be selling these silly toys to these hogs on hogs. These guys who think they're Daryl from The Walking Dead while looking more like the chubby dad from Webster. Woo. 
I just, I mean, you hear it all day up here in the mountains. Like, Okay, okay. I don't think our people listening. No, no, I wanted to give them a taste. I don't have it recorded. But if that sounded obnoxious, it was nothing compared to the actual thing. Oh. Because that was one going by super quick. Imagine it taking more time, followed by 10 other fucktards behind them. And speaking of fucktards, fuck you, Gumby, for making that noise when you say... That's horrible. Fuck that. Yeah, weigh in on that. I don't think that's that bad. Teresa thinks it's the worst sound. It is probably. It's so bad. Don't do it anymore. (laughs) No, stop. Don't get me started. Oh, God. Fuck the way the media portrays the vaccine debate. I don't get or want a vaccine for COVID-19 or for any of the former flus that circulate every year. Hmm. And I understand why people do. And I even understand why some people feel strongly that everybody should get them. That takes us into the territory of personal choice, freedom, and the role that science and the state should play in our lives, Mm. which is a fertile topic, (coughs) but not what I'm talking about here. I cough as I'm talking about COVID. (coughs) (coughs) I'm pissed that the arguments against them are ignored, glossed over, that they don't even really get to be heard on mainstream media. They'll bring up conspiracy theorists, distrust of the government, but never go very deep into where this mistrust might come from. Facts about MKUltra or the CIA conducting biological, biological experiments on American cities or the number of chemicals fed into our air, our water, our food, our products, and the effects these chemicals are having on us. People are not crazy to mistrust the researchers and white coats in our society. If anything, I might say the reverse is true. The media will interview some blubbering dope who don't believe vaccines work, calmly answered by a rational-sounding doctor in a soothing sweater, Mm -hmm. but never an articulate philosopher bringing up overpopulation, industrial society, and the bigger picture of what life, death, and health even means in this context. A supposedly natural virus attacking the one species posing the biggest threat to all known life a species who shows no intention of stopping itself. Who is the sickness? Who is the cure? The media will patronizingly mention people's religious reasons for not wanting the vaccine without ever suggesting the possibly even more blind faith we're all taught to hold unquestioningly in the advances of civilization, a civilization always trying to fix a problem that it itself has caused, Mm. like the oversanitization that has weakened our bodies, The mutated viruses themselves caused by civilization's close proximity to its unnaturally captive and objectified animals. Or the nanotechnology worked on by this same civilization and the vested military who has already shown again and again its willingness to do anything to maintain its control. I just get so disgusted when vaccines get brought up on the radio or on TV because... There is some really good arguments against vaccines, and they don't have to uh, accept the arguments, but they don't even share them. And to me, that's a disgusting—I mean, what's the media for if not to give us news? They're thinking for us. They're shielding us from certain ideas because they want us to reach the conclusions they've already assigned for us. That should trouble everybody. I mean, if you want to use your own fucking brain and understand the sides and then decide to get a vaccine, right on. But do you want to be led there? Do you want to be kept in ignorance? Do you want to be led there like a fucking uh, sheep by the nose? I mean, ugh. (laughs) Ugh. Ugh. And fuck, uh, as a song (laughs) lyric. Uh. Uh, uh. This reminds me of that nonsense prole feed put out by the Versificator in 1984. If you got nothing better to say than, uh, uh, maybe songwriting isn't the career for you. <laughs> Might I suggest a career in low-budget porn or perhaps running for president? Ooh. Uh. It sounds like some dumb motherfucker trying to get jiggy with a bowel movement to me. Ooh. I just hate that. I hate it when I hear a song and goes, uh, uh, pet mm. peeve. My goodness. It reminds me of some songs that have a lyric like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> that was the precursor to uh. 
Like what? Searching for something to say. <laughs> da, 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 da. What is that song even about? I don't know. I wish this song was about something. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Uh, fuck people showing up at inopportune times, like when I'm trying to scrub my ass in oh the river. <laughs> we, we, oh man, yeah, yeah. We went down to this waterfall, which was gorgeous, but it was really traffic. And we felt like we had kind of gone around a corner, and like there was this big rock, and we were like, I think if we time this just right, we can get naked and bathe. Yeah. But it was a little tricky, so... We decided to do it one at a time. You know, I'd kind of watch where we thought the people would come from. <laughs> Teresa got down there to get naked. Turns out that uh, the trail that everybody's walking is right on the other side of that rock, <laughs> on the other side of the river. And this <laughs> this woman walks up on the trail, and I'm trying to tell Teresa, I'm like, Teresa, there's a person right there. There's somebody behind you. Teresa says, nah <laughs> And of all the things, you know, she could have been just, like, starting to take her clothes off or maybe, like, washing her armpits. No, she's actually washing her ass. <laughs> and, I mean, she's cranking on that thing like she's trying to start a fucking lawnmower. <laughs> and that woman's family was walking up, and she turned around and gave him a little signal, like, no, stop, stop. Save yourself. There is a hobo washing her ass in the river. So, yeah, I hear you on that uh, And, uh, Gumby, you are not immune to that either. What you talking about? There was an overlook that we were at, and we thought uh, it was pouring down rain. And I had thought about it, but I was like, meh. Uh, I mean, going out in the pouring rain up here in the mountains, it's kind of hard to motivate yourself to go and, like, shower in it. But uh, but you can. It's, it's, it's not a foregone conclusion, but... Gumby, like, got naked, and he, like, he was, like, looking out the windshield of the van, and I don't know what the hell you were thinking. You went out there? I don't know how I missed it, but I jumped out there in this parking lot. Nobody was around. It was pouring rain. I'm butt naked, and uh, I start, like, taking my bandana and giving myself a wipe down, (laughs) and I happen to, like, it occurs to me, like, oh, I should keep an eye over here. There's a fucking truck parked right in front of us. <laughs> like right in front of us facing the van. So I dive right back into that van <laughs> dripping wet. Yeah. Yeah. All these people, man. Fuck these fucking people. They got to go somewhere. They got to go back to work. <sighs> I know we talk about like, you know, simplifying your life, getting rid of your bills so you could quit your job and like escape society. But y'all need to go back to work. Yeah. I'm talking about. <laughs> we got to uh... clean our ass. <laughs> <laughs> And talking about a uh, bizarro world, it used to be people would yell at people like us and say, get a job. (laughs) And now we're looking at all these motherfuckers everywhere and we're like wanting to yell, go back to work. (laughs) Get a fucking job. (laughs) But that's our life. Well, I want to say fuck Napoleon from Animal Farm. Okay. We really, we recently read that. He's a lying, crooked piece of shit. He's a manipulative, scheming, exploitative son of a bitch. Whoa. He sold Boxer to a horse butcher after his years of hard work and loyalty. Even after Boxer's motto, Napoleon is always right. Instead of finally giving him the retirement he'd earned that he was looking forward to. Napoleon is evil. I hate that fucking pig. He's the the character I've encountered most recently that, like, I wanted to make bacon out of that little son of a bitch. Mm. I hate Napoleon. I love bacon. Mm-hmm. And it's not that you don't hear that happening to uh, older workers or workers that have been there a long time at whatever company or in whatever industry. You hear, like, they just fucking fired me. Like, I had two days left and I was going to be retired and they fucking got rid of me. Mm-hmm. And I used to work in a human resources department. And you know what? It was for Time Warner Cable. They do that shit. They do what they can to get rid of their older workers that are about to go out on retirement. Mm-hmm. And you can't tell me otherwise because I saw it happen. I've seen it. <clears throat> um, we're about out of time. Do you have a last fuck you that you want to share? Um. Wow. Well, I um, I was recently talking to a, an acquaintance of mine. I briefly met him when I was in... Nepal. Have you been in Nepal? I have. You should and, teach yoga. Oh, I have. And um, 
this particular individual, he's, he seems so sweet. I, I really hardly know him, but he's been working his way toward whatever dreams he has. And he was talking about, like, he wants to open a school for poor villagers so that they could have a basic education. And while I'm all for people having a goal in their life and having, like, an aim to, you know, to help other people... I'm not sure what that basic education is going to entail. So I say fuck those people helping poor villagers to become educated. Read indoctrinated. I once thought that education was the answer, but now I believe the poor villagers, quote unquote, may have a thing or two to teach us about being connected to the land, living simply, and having meaningful lives within their community. Community? What the hell is that? Seeing the world (laughs) as their home. Where they're a part of it, not separate, not here to just exploit all the resources and live within their means, not globally, but locally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I, uh, yeah, education, indoctrination. I mean, poor people, well, it's so complicated when I say poor people. Indigenous people do not need to be educated. What we're doing is indoctrinating poor people to play a game that is currently, it's never been more obvious, is failing us all on a global <laughs> scale. So yeah, totally agree with you. Fuck that. My last fuck you is fuck the good people. <laughs> I've run into so many people who say, well, I think I'm a good person. No, you are not. Ooh. I'm not. You can't help that you were born into an evil empire colonizing across the globe like a pestilence. I can't help that I was raised, indoctrinated, to be a helpless tool full of lies, dependent (laughs) on the exploitation of others like a bloated tick. Mm. But we are responsible for what we do now. A good person would have given it all up, no matter the risk or consequences, once they saw what we do. A good person would have grabbed a gun and declared war on the people poisoning the planet for electric blankets. Mm. A good person might have even splattered their goddamn brains on the wall behind them so there was one less feeding tick on this overpopulated world. I mean, look around. How does a world so fucking full of beautiful, shiny, happy, sparkly, good people come to look like this? Mm. Just imagine what heaven must look like by now. Mm. Nah, you and me, we ain't good. We ain't good people. I believe that only by seeing that Admitting it, letting that shit right the fuck in to cut us to the core, do we stand a prayer of becoming good people? Good people ain't liars. First, we got to see who we are and where we are if we're going to find our way out of hell. So, yeah, if you're hearing these words, you ain't a good person. And neither am I. But we can be. Mm. 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 Any final words before I move on to our outro? Well, I just like to uh, put in there um, if any of our listeners have any fuck yous to share them with us, and I know you'll give our contact whereabouts, Gumby. <laughs> well, after that, I'm not sure I will. Well, I'm just saying, like we, this is our third fuck you podcast, and um, yeah, I'd just like to hear from people. Maybe fuck these fuck you podcasts. Maybe fuck Gumby for making loud ass noises. Oh, my God. Oh, it's growing on her. No, it's not. It's like a, no. It's a growth that needs to be removed. So, our listener write-in is from Soria Rose. (laughs) Sorry. From Northwest Territory, Canada. And she's written to us once before, and uh, we're very happy to hear from Soraya, I believe. Sorry. Sorry. If we said that wrong. And, uh... Yeah, she is apparently one of the few people that are actually hoboing that writes to us now and then, so that's particularly exciting for us. Um, so, Soraya Rose, I'm going to try to do your uh, read your <coughs> message in the best Canadian accent I know how. So sorry, <coughs> sorry, sorry, eh, eh, sorry. All right, I think I'm ready. Are you tuned? Hello, had to write again just to say honestly, fuck your podcast. Sorry, <laughs> in the nicest possible way, like. Fuck your podcast. Sorry. <laughs> After that episode of Robin the Hood, I had to write, eh, that shit had me tearing up and yelling and ready to rise. Sorry. Very powerful messages you're sharing, eh? Keep up the good work. 
Love the Peace Pilgrim episode. Hoping you'll do more on inspiring creatures and more to help more of us humans shed our programmed idiocy. Sorry. <laughs> also, it would be cool to hear you all have a guest, eh? But I imagine it's difficult to find, entice, another kindred spirit to lean into your iPad with you. At a park. My favorite park. <laughs> You're starting to sound like that Scottish guy on the Simpsons. They got Irish people in Canada. You shut up. My favorite part of your podcast... The obnoxiously loud harmonica instrumentals. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I cringe so hard, but it always a real eye-opener. Draws oh. me right in somehow. Oh, God. Love from Northwest Territory, Canada, eh? And fellow hobo. Sorry, Arose. So, sorry, sorry, Arose, you let us know if we nailed it. I think we did. It's probably like hearing her own recorded voice like played back to her. It was, that was probably an eerie moment for you. Share it with your friends. But to address your... Um, Fuck you. Mm, your, your fuck you, like, fuck you too, Soraya Rose, and much love. <laughs> um, Sorry. We really appreciate that message. Uh, yeah, Robin the Hood, we enjoyed that one too. And um, I believe Teresa Peace Pilgrim was one of your favorites, if yes. not your favorite. Yeah. So, yeah, she's just, uh, you know, not just the work we did researching her, but uh, Peace Pilgrim herself. Wow. Um, we're having a little bit of trouble, like, researching people like we used to because we had the library at our disposal um we had different resources and now with this pandemic and everything um the best i can do is download wikipedia articles to read later when we're in the woods yeah but Sorry. We, do have, <laughs> we do have an inspiring person uh possibly planned we're kind of making this up as we go mm. but possibly planned this season um and thank you for the encouragement um the guest thing yeah that's been brought up before I want to uh, give some recommendations because having a guest on a on a podcast is something most other people do. Um, we listen to a few favorites. There's um, Derek Jensen doing Resistance Radio. He's got a lot of great guests on there. Um, there is Deep Green Resistance, um, who has a lot of great guest interviews. And also Ground Shots with Kelly. Do you know her name? Moody. Or Maybe Moody. Moody. She always says, hi, hey, y'all. Hey, y'all, this is Kelly. Hey, y'all, this is Kelly. But she has some really interesting guests on there. We aren't really set up to have guests. We thought about it in the beginning, and I'm not saying, like, Soraya Rose, if you ever want to come down here and you're doing the hobo thing, we'll interview you. But Or if we go up to Northwest Territory. Yeah, if we find ourselves up there. <laughs> but to try to make it happen, there's just so many moving parts with us living in our van. And we stink. And we stink. <laughs> Teresa stinks, and she's got flatulence, she's getting old, and um, and the iPad, I mean, even right now, we've, we've got a Wizard of Oz lunchbox holding up our <laughs> our scavenged, well, our gifted iPad, leaning on a mildewy, moldy park bench out in the middle of the mountains. Yay. I just don't really know how I'd, like, hook up an interview. And besides, so many other people are doing it, I'm not sure that I really need to... Um, put my energy into that. I don't know what we're creating. We're kind of trying to figure that out season after season ourselves. But I do know it's unique because I've never heard anything like us. I'd like to think that we are the inspiration for many of our favorite podcasts. I think they are. They're like Derek Jensen's probably listening to us right now. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he is. He doesn't want to admit it, you know, because he's a famous author and everything. But we know you're fucking listening. <laughs> Um, if it, yeah, we appreciate all the comments that are written in because, um, you know, if there are thoughts that you want to have shared, we would like to read those. And, um, and there was a way, I'm not even sure if it is still available on anchor, uh, cause this is how we post our podcast on anchor.fm, I think, but there was a way for people to record messages. And I would like, just as our technology person that doesn't know what the hell I'm doing. Um, it'd be interesting to see if there was a, a file that we could like add to our podcast at some point in the future of someone talking, but I don't know. Yeah. We'll continue to look into that. Cause, uh, you know, we would be interested in that ourselves, but until then, uh, we're doing our own unique thing and it might be uniquely met bad, but it's unique <laughs> nonetheless. Oh, it's bad. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> And I am so happy to hear that my obnoxious harmonica playing is one of your favorite parts. So uh, um, the part that's going to come after this episode we dedicate to you, Soraya Rose, this obnoxious one is for you. Ugh. So if you have any questions or comments, please visit our website, 
www.escapingsociety.weebly, B as in beer, mm. .com. We also have a Facebook page found at Escaping Society. We have a YouTube channel that can be accessed through our website. Um, and we've been putting a lot of new videos up there. So if you're uh, trying to learn new plants, uh, mushrooms, any skills that we can do, we share those as, as videos. And you can keep up with the length of my hair on the Facebook page. Oh, indeed. Yeah. Teresa's gone through, what was it, Alpha from Walking Dead and then a Little Japanese Boy and then uh, Zoolander, I believe. No, mm. David Bowie, mm. Zoolander, a really brief stint through Alfalfa. Now she's gone <laughs> on to Wolverine. So it's, it's been an interesting thing. Whoa. Don't flash that thing at me. Um, and we have a donate button on our website. So if you have uh, money to share, we're always happy to take a donation. Um, like so many other people, we're not finding gigs. We're not finding work. We're going to run out of our money soon. So we don't know what's going to come next. Pilgrimage. Um, but if you find yourself being able to work from home or something, and that's not a stress for you, um, we do appreciate donations. And if you don't have money to share, send us a message. Um, that's another way that you can support our podcast. Um, challenge us. Disagree with us. Don't be scared. Um, just anything. We love hearing from people. And uh, we'll, we'll, we will promise to do the best accent we can with wherever you're from. Mm. I'm really looking forward to somebody from, like, uh, Louisiana or something. Mm. Like vacation country. Mm. But anyway. Um, yeah, and if you know of any gigs... Turn us on to that, too, any short-term work. But I guess that's it for us. Do you have anything else to say? Thanks for listening. Yep. Bye.